Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. The following was produced by Tearsheet Studios. We worked with crypto brokerage Paxos to create a podcast series about the mainstreaming of crypto, the genesis of Paxos, the rise of stablecoins, and crypto's energy and environmental impact. The mainstreaming of crypto means the mainstreaming of blockchain technology as well. Through blockchain, it is now possible to hold all assets within and outside the cryptocurrency market safely and decentralized. Stablecoins are an attractive digital asset because they promise to pave the way for a new and improved movement of money. There is a shift that's happening around how can you hold assets in a token form or on a blockchain that aren't just crypto assets. So Bitcoin, Ethereum, that's a crypto asset. A stablecoin asset is something that represents um, a specific thing that isn't natively on the blockchain. So for instance, a dollar, or it could be a euro, it could be any type of um, shift of an asset onto a blockchain. But when most people talk about stablecoins, they're talking about taking um, a fiat currency and putting it into um, a blockchain form to move around. And so an example would be taking a dollar and creating a tokenized version of that dollar. It's relevant because you're taking dollars and you're enabling them to move 24 hours a day, seven days a week, instantaneously. Anyone can have access as long as they're on that blockchain. Um, and uh, that's allowing there to be much more levels of innovation. And it's freeing up capital and costs that are tied to moving all of these uh uh, different types of money around. And so that's a huge shift. That's why it's relevant. The way the world works today, every single dollar sits in a bank somewhere and all of those dollars sit at the New York Fed uh, in, in Manhattan. You can't have a digital dollar and not have it be in an account. An advantage to a stable coin is you can now have a dollar that can move around just like a physical dollar does person to person without an intermediary account. And so that's very relevant. And it's happening because the crypto ecosystem, which is about $1.4, $1.5 billion of value, needs money, cash, US dollars in this case, to move at the speed of crypto, which is 24 hours, seven days a week, um, happens globally. It's uh, instantaneous movements. So very cumbersome if you were waiting for a bank wire to go international um, for three days and has lots of costs, or you could move it instantaneously on a blockchain. And so that's, I think, why stable coins came into existence and have now grown to be about $100 billion. Stable coins are shifting things in ways that aren't possible with the key cryptocurrencies. Stablecoins are on the rise because while they offer the same versatility as cryptocurrencies, their tethering to physical assets makes them far less volatile. There may be a $60 trillion of uh, money in the, in the world. So not a huge amount has been uh, turned over into a tokenized form, but it's growing very, very quickly. Um, in the case of Paxos, we have about $12 billion that we have tokenized. Um, we started the year this year at about a little over 2 billion. We started last year at 250 million. So that can give you some sense of the unbelievable rapid growth that's happening because of the need in the crypto ecosystem. And so the stablecoin shift is an important one because 
that starts to change how the whole financial system works because the financial system is tied to the money movement of dollars. That's essentially the blood of and uh, the circulatory system of how our financial system works. And uh, getting that shift to happen is really just still beginning. And now what happens, I think, over time is that you go from just being about crypto trading, which is where it's primarily used today, to starting to be about goods and services. You can now start to pay for goods and services in a tokenized uh, dollar. You can start to be able to have real big wholesale movements of money, um, like how the banks move money through tokenized dollars. And that's going to save huge amounts of costs for all of those institutions. And that's the promise of what a stablecoin can do. With the rise of stablecoins, the blockchain environment is no longer only about holding or trading crypto. As instant transfer tokenized dollars, stablecoins pave the way for mainstreaming crypto with everyday use cases for wallets, from monthly subscriptions to the morning coffee. Historically, it's just been buy crypto, sell crypto, um, be able to hold some money. That was an important first step. But what you need to now go from is that early adopter community, just like you went from an early adopter community to mainstream in who is now capable of buying crypto and who's participating. You need to do that for tokenized dollars as well. So you want to go from the early adopter community to mainstream. And that shift will be about um, enabling real world payments. Like for instance, you can go into Starbucks and you can use a stablecoin, or you do a checkout and you can use a stablecoin. Um, any of those ways of being able to uh, trade for goods and services, not just trade for crypto with your tokenized dollars will be an important shift. We're seeing it now, Visa is doing um, certain things. There'll be other payment companies that are doing things. Um, uh, and I think pretty significant ones. Uh, you've seen the news that uh, uh, DM, which was formerly um, uh, Libra, which was uh, uh, started by Facebook, um, was about trying to be able to create a, a concept of money being able to move anywhere. And then you'll get it, I think, into the larger banking and uh, corporate um, uh, banking system. And what becomes very important in that shift from crypto mainstream to mainstream is the trustworthiness of how you've tokenized the dollars. As stablecoins step into the arena of real-world payments, stablecoin providers have to think of themselves much like traditional financial institutions. They must be able to ensure the same level of stability and reliability needed for customers to place their trust in them. This is very important, and this is where Paxos is different. We have the only tokenized uh, dollars that have been created where they are overseen by a primary regulator, which is the New York Department of Financial Services. They are issued from our trust company, which is a banking institution. All the assets are held fully bankruptcy remote, fully segregated. They're all held in a transparent reserve system of just T-bills, uh, FDIC insured bank accounts, and uh, overnight repo that's over collateralized with treasuries extremely safe. You could liquidate it immediately. And so you need to have that level of confidence that if something happened to Paxos, the money is there. If something happens to um, uh, the market, there's no interest rate risk. There's no credit risk in the assets that we're holding. Your money will be there no matter what. Those are really important differentiations. And you don't have to take our word for it. We have a primary regulator who oversees us. And so that's fundamentally different from anything else that's out there. We're fully backed, 
we're fully audited and we have full levels of um, uh, oversight. That is much different. Being fully regulated is a big differentiator in our opinion to go to the mainstream adoption curve uh, because uh, the level of oversight and scrutiny that you get from regulators as you begin, begin to become part of the financial system in a really significant way has to be about that safety and soundness. And so there's so much promise by taking uh, dollars and other assets and putting them under a blockchain, but there's also the possibility that um, you lose a level of trust because you can create opacity. And we've seen that in other uh, stable coins where um, their reserves are held in things that are aside from basically cash and cash equivalents. In fact, I think we're the only stablecoin, and this includes Tether and USDC, that is fully backed by liquid cash and cash equivalents. That's how I think you get to having products um, that shift into a much larger audience. And that is ultimately what Paxos is trying to achieve. How do you replatform the financial system? How do you do this on a really big basis? How do you make sure you do it right from the very beginning so that you have a unbelievably trustworthy foundation that can enable the type of really society changing uh, shift that we're talking about? The shift from holding and moving physical assets in the form of fiat currency is a big step. That's why the key to stablecoins' long-term success is trust. Regulation, and the forethought to ask for permission rather than forgiveness, is what sets certain stablecoin providers apart from the rest. The trust element is so crucial. It's so crucial because, um, you know, there's a reason the financial system is so regulated. And, um, you know... You know, there's a lot of questions. Well, why are there so many different types of regulators and what are they doing? And what they're fundamentally trying to do is create trust so that the average person doesn't have to try and understand what is going on inside a bank. You give them your money, you want to be able to get it out. And so you have FDIC insurance, uh, you have regulators that make sure they're making loans that make sense, uh, they hold the right types of uh, reserves. Uh, you know, they're not investing in assets that don't make sense. You know, all those things are done because you fundamentally want to know that you put in a dollar, you can get a dollar out. And uh, that's what a bank is providing for you. And, but when you have to hold offline money and put it into the blockchain environment, you have an element of trust that's introduced. You're going from traditional uh, holding of assets into a blockchain holding an asset. And that leap involves... Um, a trust level that is deserving of oversight and regulation. So the way that we do it at Paxos is one, we have an independent board of directors, which includes Sheila Baer, who ran the FDIC during the financial crisis, Senator Bill Bradley, Duncan Niederauer, CEO of the New York Stock Exchange, Jim Manzi, uh, created Lotus Notes, Bob Hertz, who uh, was the chairman of FASB. KPMG is our auditor. Grant Thornton does our internal audits. We have an auditor that just audits our bank accounts uh, against the number of tokens that we've created, uh, which is with them. Unbelievable amount of oversight across the board for us. And of course, we have uh, investors and um, uh, we have our regulators who come in and do exams of us. This is really meant to create trust. And I don't think there's anybody else in the crypto and blockchain space who has taken 
that level of trust uh, to such a um, degree of oversight. And it's because that will then allow large firms and your average retail user to have confidence that this is something that they can use. And that's what it's about. It's, and of course, eventually uh, you'll hit a level where everyone is using these products. I think in many industries, the adoption curve was able to happen in a way that could maybe um, skirt around regulation. Um, you know, whether that could be, say, a taxi authority or the uh, hotel authorities or whatever it might be. Um, you know, there just wasn't the same level of oversight because you didn't have as much to lose. Um, but in financial system, you have a lot to lose. You can lose hundreds of trillions of dollars. How do you make sure that you're setting that up correctly? That is something that we take very seriously and have from the beginning. Mainstreamed as it is becoming, cryptocurrency still holds only a fractional value of the global economy. The lead player has been and remains cash. But fiat-backed stablecoins are helping push the envelope. They're accelerating the adoption of blockchain and crypto among large traditional financial institutions. Many people have different views on what does crypto represent. You know, there's lots of different viewpoints on it. But the case of cash you know, and U.S. dollars, that is the lifeblood of the system today. It's not maybe going to be it in the future, or maybe it's an asset. Um, it is something that is the unit of account and, you know, kind of the lingua franca of the financial system. And that's important to recognize. And so as that becomes tokenized and it shifts how that moves, it has profound implications. And I think really they're all very positive ones but they're still profound. And that has gotten people to really focus on this as being more than just about crypto, but being about how blockchain can replatform the system and having dollars be able to move on a blockchain brings that home most clearly. And I think you see examples of this with how um, we have a number of our um, uh, partners who are looking at how do they potentially launch uh, their own stable coin? How do they enable accepting stable coins? Um, um, how can this change the level of financial inclusion in both the US and globally? So hard for people to get US dollar bank accounts outside the United States. And that would be the number one thing people want. How do they escape from regimes where there's high levels of inflation? Well, they could buy crypto, but maybe they want to hold U.S. dollars. I actually think it's profoundly uh, valuable uh, for the U.S. dollar to be able to find a way to create more financial inclusion um, because it's what people want and what they need and what the shift to internet being available to everybody and a smartphone being available to everyone, you're going to need a currency that can be available to everybody. And I think a stablecoin U.S. dollar is the likely solution to that, um, you know, barring rapid inflation or barring regulatory prevention of that, in which case it might end up being something else like Bitcoin or a digital yuan. This is the key thing for um, firms. How do you respond to the idea that your money can fundamentally have different properties to it than it has had in the past? 
Fiat may still hold global hegemony, but the ways in which it flows through the traditional financial system are slow and ineffective. That's why Paxos chose to launch its own stablecoin as a service offering for other enterprises. The enterprise uh, space is really crucial, ultimately, to create a fundamental shift because the end customer is controlled today by lots of different firms. And it's very fragmented, but they already have a place that they go to and they trust. And so the question is, which problem do you want to try and solve? And I think that it's very valuable to change how the UI works, how um, uh, you have a common place to have your financial life, which is what many firms are trying to solve. But what we saw from the very beginning was that the infrastructure was being neglected that the plumbing of the system was archaic and out of date. And that if you really wanted to make a profound shift in our financial system, you had to focus on the infrastructure layer, which was not well understood. It's still not very well understood, though it's becoming a much uh, larger part of the conversation because of stable coins, because of things like GameStop, because of crypto. Um, but that this um, infrastructure layer was not well appreciated as something that could be upgraded and that it needed to be upgraded in order to be able to enable a different financial system. And so right now, there's $700 trillion of assets in the world. Most of those are sitting inside institutions that already exist um, or are being intermediated by institutions that already exist on behalf of their end customers. They want to come up with a better way to be able to move those assets. Their customers, their end customers want to have a more efficient product. They want to have new types of products. They want to have uh, better products uh, from what they have today. And there's now this recognition that what's holding it back is not having a better app on your phone, important as that is. Um, it's about how do you change the fundamental attributes of those assets by putting them into a new technological uh, platform i.e. blockchain technology. And I think that is what's crucial. That's what we recognized. And that's what we have focused on as an infrastructure layer for enterprise firms, uh, for um, payment companies, for fintech firms, for broker dealers, for banks, and for, frankly, just technology companies that aren't even necessarily um, uh, fintechs yet, but recognize this convergence that's happening. And that is um, uh, a really uh, profound change that will happen. And um, I think because no one else has dedicated themselves to solving that, we're in a very unique position. To situate itself as a stablecoin as a service provider, it was crucial for Paxos to lead with a key feature, trust. Structuring itself as a trust, Paxos offers enterprises the confidence that funds are safe and every step of the way is regulated. We have a New York State Trust, uh, which we were the first to be approved by any regulator, I think globally, to operate in crypto and blockchain. That is the, the first trust we have. We have also been conditionally approved by the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, the OCC, um, as a national trust. And we were the first de novo uh, national trust that was approved to operate in crypto and blockchain. Almost all the regulatory approvals we've gotten, we have not only been first, but in most cases, we're still the only one. 
Um, and that is really fits with our brand, which is how can you create profound changes and shifts, but at the same time, make sure that you're asking for permission because trying to go back and ask for permission can be very damaging because in a highly regulated space with lots of institutions that have large businesses who we think we can help, they need to have the confidence to use us. And so the trust that we have set up and in New York and the one that we set up nationally was done deliberately because they're actually safer than a bank. Historically, infrastructure in the United States has been set up as trust companies. Examples are the depository uh, trust company, the DTC, which holds all the stocks and bonds in the US. They hold 75 or so trillion dollars of assets, really significant. Um, and another example is uh, the CDS Clearinghouse in the US set up as a New York state trust. Even Bank of New York, which is one of the main infrastructure banks, uh, is a bank and trust. You know, this is a really tried and true way of creating an infrastructure provider because your safety comes from the fact that you are not making loans, you are not accepting deposits, you're holding assets, bankruptcy remote, fully segregated. And so that means that we're not holding fractional reserves. Everything is fully reserved, fully held. If clients want to go allocate them into a certain type of asset, we facilitate that. But we're never using our clients' funds as our working capital, which is what really traditional banks are doing. When you're actually putting a deposit into a bank, you're giving them a loan. And then they go out and make loans. And the difference between the two of them is what it creates uh, the income that a bank generally earns, plus you know some fees. We are really not at all following that model. By structuring itself as a trust, Paxo strategically positions itself as a railway for assets. Its infrastructure provides not only the technology needed to move assets, but the regulatory packaging to do it securely on all ends. As a infrastructure provider, our business is about how do we hold your assets and enable you to move them wherever you want in whichever type of blockchain you want to move them in. And that is the rails that we're putting our clients' assets on. And so we have a fee for doing that. But that's a fee uh, for providing a technology service and a technology platform that's highly regulated um, so that they're confident to use it. That's a lot different from being an intermediary um, on a principal basis. We're simply an agent here. And doing that as a trust company creates that level of oversight and that level of segregation that is very powerful. And that's, for instance, why firms want to use us for their crypto infrastructure. Their assets are held in this trust company um, for their clients. Uh, that's why firms want to use us to um, hold dollars to be tokenized in our stable coins, because we're doing it in a trust company. Oversight, regulation, uh, capital, um, and of course, great technology. And we're doing this also for uh, our gold back token. Uh, we have $300 million of gold that we hold. We hold it in the trust company. And this is again and again, how we approach solving um, the issue of how do you take assets in a really trustworthy way, put them into um, a different environment to move around so that you can unlock opportunity, you can unlock innovation, you can unlock uh, the cost and capital intensity of the current system. This concludes the second episode in a podcast series we're running with Paxos. 
To access the transcript of this podcast and to hear upcoming episodes in the series, head on over to the Tearsheet website.